You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Julie Larson Brisher, Science and Technology Editor for Meeting Place Magazine. Welcome to Episode 44 of Meeting Pod, where we're talking how to deli with a difference with Jeff Saville, President of Deli Brands of America, the processing subsidiary of Saville Foods Corporation. That slogan, Deli with a Difference, is the founding philosophy of the Baltimore, Maryland-based family-owned deli processing and distribution company founded in 1932 by Jeff's grandparents, Harry and Flora Saville. In addition to Deli Brands of America, Saville Foods operates two other subsidiaries, Saville Food Service and Saville Deli. In 2003, Jeff took the reins of Deli Brands of America, which produces 1 million pounds of private-labeled deli meats and prepared foods each month in two USDA and BRC-compliant food processing facilities, including a state-of-the-art slicing and logistics facility in Baltimore County. The company crafts authentic pastrami, corned beef, roast beef, turkey, ham, and cooked family recipe-prepared foods, such as meatloaf, short ribs, pot roast, pork loin, and my favorite, prime rib. I'm excited to talk with Jeff today to find out more about how Deli Brands of America's vision assures their distinct advantages to make a difference to consumers and customers. Welcome to Meeting Pod, Jeff. I'm happy to have you as a guest on the podcast today, and I'm really looking forward to learning more about how Deli Brands puts the deli in delicious. Hi, good afternoon, Julie. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, let's dive right in then. I'd like to hear a little bit more about the origins of the family business and your role as president of the processing side and find out a little bit about what you consider your most rewarding aspects of what you do. Fantastic. In 1932, my grandparents that you mentioned, Harry and Flora, started uh, Savile Foods Corporation in a small location in Baltimore City, producing just basically corned beef at the time. Uh, And over the years, they continued to grow and started making other items like roast beef and pastrami, and then started bringing in other products that their customers requested from them, like turkey and ham and pickles and such. And then in 1955, uh, the second generation, uh, my father and his three brothers started to come into the business, started to move to other locations a little larger along the way. And then in 1966, we moved into a facility that we're in for 35 years. And coincidentally, it was on Corn Beef Row in Baltimore City. And the name Corn Beef Row came from several delis that were on that road including some other horseradish manufacturers, chicken slaughter facilities, bakeries, and a lot of retail, very hustle and bustle street and a lot of great delis. And we were fortunate to be right across the street from some of our biggest customers. And then in 1967, we purchased another company in Washington, D.C. called Newman Director. And we changed that name to Savile Director. We had started processing corned beef at that facility as well and distribution. And shortly thereafter, we just continued to process only in Baltimore and then distributed out of that facility in Washington, Virginia area. In 1989, we continued to expand and we moved our distribution facility into Jessup, Maryland, Elk Ridge, Maryland. And we combined the facilities from Washington and Baltimore into one distribution facility. And at that time, we kept our processing facility in Baltimore 
I was very fortunate to be the one that raised my hand to stay at the production facility and all the other family members moved to our distribution facility in Elkridge. And from there, we then started increasing our production. We expanded our facility in 1990 by 5,000 feet to get to a whopping 15,000 square feet just to give us a little more space. It was a very old facility. And from there, we went on 10 years until 1999 when we moved, had our largest move. We moved to a 30,000 square foot facility still in Baltimore City, about five miles away from our prior facility. And then we've been here since 99. And in 2003, we decided to separate the names of the company. And then we started Deli Brands of America. And then we had Savile Food Service under the umbrella of Savile Foods Corporation. That was to differentiate our product and our production facility and our distribution facility so we could get out of the Mid-Atlantic region on our processing. And then we started to take off from there. Uh, We installed our own software system for processing at that time. And that helped us improve our data capture and traceability through the facility. And then we acquired another company in 2005 called Auth Brothers uh, that got us into the steak cutting business. And we do steak cutting just in time still today for our distribution facility in Elk Ridge, Maryland. Moving on to 2015, we built another expansion here, uh, about 3,500 square feet, strictly for cooking and chilling to increase our ability to produce more deli meats. And then in 2018, we moved into a new center for logistics and slicing. We call that CLASS, which took our slicing operation into that facility and our logistics for shipping finished goods. And that's where we are today. And we are as you said, producing about a million pounds a month. And what I would tell you is that when I was a young man, I worked with my father. I would, I, I think the old saying of learning from the bottom up is true here. Uh, I always enjoyed the processing business. I went to, then went on to college, uh, got my business degree, and then came back into the family business. But my real education came from what I learned in the processing plant. And what I think was most rewarding, you're processing products that are distributed to food service and retail across the country has become very rewarding to me. As I tell our associates every day, we feed hundreds of people every day, and it's our job to make safe and wholesome food that tastes great. What we do every day is hard, physical work. And when you see our products in a deli case or a sandwich at a retail or on a retailer's cooler shelf, We know that all that work goes into processing a perishable product, and it's very rewarding to all of us. Yeah, you know, and I love it because that's really in line with this company philosophy, Delhi with a Difference. And I was going to ask you, has that meaning evolved over time as the company has adapted to changes in processing operations or your retail or food service markets? It has. And we have two taglines here. We put the deli in delicious and we also have one called deli with a difference. And we always feel that we produce the best quality product at every price point. We have three levels of quality products in our repertoire and we feel that we make that the best product at every level at that price point. Over the years, we have evolved to produce that same quality as a co-packer for our customers if they are looking for private label. We have started items like meatloaf with proprietary seasoning for a specific retailer, or we make corned beef hash to match an in-house formula for a breakfast chain. Or then we do just our traditional deli, roast beef, corned beef, and pastrami for a food service distributor looking for their own private label. In order to do that, we've invested in equipment to advance our processes. We've had expansion, as, as I said, in our processing facilities. We've improved our cooking and chilling. 
and as well as other equipment to improve our packaging. So I think that we have adapted over time and we continue to move forward as technology changes. Well, um, speaking of equipment, technologies that you're putting in, just a few years ago, as you mentioned, in 2018, Deli Brands opened the Center for Logistics and Slicing in Baltimore County. And I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit more about the facility and why it was important for the company to build a dedicated slicing and logistics facility? And then maybe also just what kind of challenges or opportunities you saw by putting in more state-of-the-art equipment? Sure. That facility houses, as you said, strictly our slicing operation and our logistics for finished goods. We started slicing many years with just a few deli items and that had limited volume. And we sliced a little bit of meatloaf. We sliced a little bit of deli. And we realized as we started to grow that we had a lot of customers looking for sliced deli. And then in 2015, when we expanded our cooking and chilling capacity, it allowed us to grow that slicing business. In 2017, we earned some business from our large volume customer, and that's when we simply ran out of space here in Baltimore at our Baltimore facility. And what we realized there was a high, well, there was a big demand for high quality sliced whole muscle deli. And while we couldn't fit larger slicing equipment or add people in this facility, so at that time we felt this was the future of our deli business, and our customers were looking to reduce labor and overhead in their stores, lower food costs reduce in-store liability because they handle slicers with younger people. So we worked with our local builder, designed the facility. I investigated and evaluated equipment for over two years. And in 2018, we moved into the new facility. We purchased the slicing equipment with scanning technology and inline weighing capabilities. And it's been very successful. And in 2022, we'll look to increase that capacity with additional equipment and shifts if we can hire the people. Why we think that dedicated is important Food safety is always critical in a ready-to-eat facility. And to control ready-to-eat meats, we use ingredients such as bacteria inhibitors prior to cooking. We have state-of-the-art controls for cooking and chilling. We have a post inhibitor that's used. And we have inline interventions for treatment prior to slicing at the slice facility to control bacteria growth. So having a dedicated facility for slicing helps us control and flow and separation of product. And on the logistics side, it gives us improved temperature control and coolers and freezers, and it also gives us additional capacity, which avoids using a third outside third-party storage, and it gives us improved flow of product dedicated for finished goods, separating it from raw material. So that's some of the things that we felt were imported for a dedicated slice facility. You mentioned following like your customer wants and needs, and I'm wondering on the consumer side, are there trends that you think affect how the company stays innovative in its R&D offering, you know, its product R&D and what kind of things they offer? Because nowadays, everyone's looking for a clean label or low sodium or all of these claims, right? And does that present any challenges to you as you develop new products? So on the trends, the traditional yeah. deli as we know it from when we were younger has changed I worked in delis when I was in high school. I recall how we always had a great deli on every corner and they were always busy. We were slicing over the counter, making sandwiches all day. And that's changed. The quote unquote true delicatessen of today is now a convenience store that has a gas station attached to it or a national chain that serves deli sandwiches, but also has a full menu or a salad bar. The traditional deli has kind of died off. So what we have done to 
accommodate for supermarkets and online shopping that's taken a lot of business from those corner delis, we have found way we feel that the slicing business has been a big attribute to our business. Fortunately, on the East Coast here, we have a lot of great traditional delis, and that is a lot of what we do in our business. But because it's a dying breed, as it's not a career path for a lot of young people today, the slice business definitely has increased our focus for the last few years, and that's why we've made an investment. And as I mentioned earlier, we have a customer base that's challenged as we all try to find qualified employees working in a deli setting. Again, it's not the chosen career path. So they're looking to reduce labor and overhead, lower food costs, reduce in-store liability for handling slicers. And Slice Meats provides help with food costs as shrink and waste is reduced. You know, they'll open one or two pound package. It's 100% usable unless you drop something on the floor and they know their food costs right away. And they don't have to open a 10 pound roast beef or a eight pound corned beef. They can get one or two pounds at a time. So we feel that that has helped our customers, especially in the new non-traditional deli setting. And the, on the R&D side, we've made a lot of new items. We make a fantastic corned beef and pastrami hash for retail and food service. We're now making logs for slicing of that hash. We make a 1.5 ounce hash puck that can be used for a breakfast sandwich. So that's something we've become a little more innovative to help those convenience stores that have breakfast sandwiches where they want to make an egg and cheese. And instead of ham or bacon, they can put hash browns on that. We produce a meatloaf now that we have a capacity to slice for portions for ease of use at the end user. And we can be more flexible with packaging. We do a sliced pork loin that we've co-packed for a customer that just didn't have enough labor to produce it in store. So we have found those opportunities over the past few years. And we've also, like you said, expanded our offerings to include pot roast and pork roasts and prime rib, London broil, to mention a few. As far as the clean label, we have developed a line called Honest to Goodness Deli. It's a clean label line of deli meats that does corned beef, roast beef, pastrami, and turkey. With our pre-cook interventions and our post-lethality intervention, we are able to maintain the same shelf life, but still have high quality deli. And for items that can have interventions, we use high pressure pasteurization as an intervention to provide safety for the product and shelf life. And there's also been many new ingredients that have been developed over the years that we partner with our ingredient companies to replace items like lactate diacetates with vinegar or other items that aren't so popular on a label that can create a clean label. So between R&D and working with our partners in the ingredient world, we're able to develop new products. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's interesting because I was thinking um, deli was one of the top categories of meat products that really the sales went sky high during this last two years of this pandemic period. And at the same time, consumers were asking for the, the cleaner label, the better for you claims and that sort of thing. And I thought this is all kind of coming together as like one perfect storm where deli manufacturers are really getting out ahead of that, I think maybe even triggered by the pandemic and those consumers just buying more product of what they want. Yeah. Yeah, And, you know, all meat is gluten-free and most of our roast beefs, for example, don't have many ingredients in them anyway. Of course, when you get to corned beef and pastrami, you're using nitrates and erythorbates and you do need to find replacements for that. But those are available today. It does make it expensive, but the people that want those types of products are willing to pay. In this market right now, it's extraordinarily expensive. And we're not finding the need for all natural meat as much as clean label ingredient. Uh, I think that's what is really the more concern of the consumer is the ingredient being clean label more than the actual meat 
being all natural. Yeah. Well, now, I'm, well, because I just brought up the coronavirus pandemic, I was wondering how has it affected Delhi Brand of America's markets, your supply chain, or how the company supplies Delhi products to its customers? Have you encountered or overcome any challenges in maintaining that high product quality for your customers? You know, we, like every manufacturer in all indus- industries, face challenges with a broken supply chain. You have staffing challenges, you have rising costs of raw material, packaging, ingredients, freight, as well as labor and overhead costs to operate the facility. You know, I do our meat buying and I've had to be flexible with our raw material availability, extended lead times. Imported meats have been delayed to this being a worldwide issue, not just a domestic issue. And we have challenges at the ports that we all know to receive product. We're all aware of the driver shortages that create not only delays in receiving product, but also shipping product. So we do all that we can, but many of these challenges are out of our control and out of our customers' control. We communicate to our customers to provide additional lead time for orders and to be flexible with receiving as carriers are busy and they're not going to be held up at stops. So I think we, with communication, being a little flexible in our purchasing, we've been pretty good. We've been pretty fortunate to maintain our supply at this point in time. We've had to change a few suppliers. We did reduce a few SKUs, which most manufacturers are doing. Uh, It has been an opportune time to look at SKU rationalization to be efficient as possible. So we've had to cut a few items that weren't efficient, but we've worked with our customers to find similar items to satisfy their needs. And we've been very successful in doing that. We haven't reduced our quality or we haven't changed our philosophy of producing the highest quality item at every price point. It's caused prices to increase dramatically since 2020, and this will trickle down to the end consumer as there's no possible way for us as manufacturers to absorb these ongoing costs of goods. It is worrisome as prices do not seem to be coming down anytime soon. Most freight continues to increase as we face those challenges. While we don't all have a crystal ball, uh, I think many of our industry feel sometime mid-2022, we may start seeing some relief. But in the short term, I really feel that we're in this inflationary period and it's going to stick for a little while. Thanks for those comments. But on a more positive note, also in 2022, it looks like Savile Foods Corp and its subsidiaries will celebrate 90 years in business. That's awesome and amazing. So does the company have any special plans for celebrating that huge milestone? Sure, Julia. You know, celebrating our 90th year in business is very exciting and humbling for the four generations that have built our company to what it is today. And I believe my grandfather would be very proud of what his children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren have accomplished in the last 90 years. So we're very proud of it. We are humbled by it. And we are going to celebrate in March with a very large food show. And then we're going to have a celebration in the evening here in Maryland with a surprise musical guest. And we'll have events for associates and customers and We'll hopefully have a lot of people now that can guess past the virus and uh, attend our function and enjoy themselves and help us celebrate the 90 years because it's really our, truly our customers and our vendors that have gotten us to this point. So uh, we're very proud of it and then we're looking forward to celebrating with everyone. Well, I know where to be then in mid-March. <laughs> you're, more than, you're more than welcome to be here. <laughs> that was pretty obvious, me wrangling that invitation, but thank you. <laughs> And I want to thank you also, Jeff, for taking the time to share your insights with us today on Meeting Pod. And listeners, you can find out more about how Delhi Brands of America does Delhi with a difference on its website at www.delibrandsofamerica.com.
Also, be sure to check out Savile Food Services video podcast, Market Trends with Tracy, on YouTube. This series, hosted by veteran purchaser and meat expert Tracy Anderson, features super informative episodes that give viewers insights into the ups and downs of food markets, tips on menu development, and a few ridiculous visuals thrown in for fun. And please do visit our website at meetingplace.com to access our technical article archives and podcasts to get more smart manufacturing advice first published in our R&D Matters newsletters. Thanks again, Jeff. And, you know, it's around lunchtime here in Oregon, and I'm thinking a deli sandwich sounds like just the thing after chatting with you today. (laughs) Well, we can tell you where to buy some online, Julie, and we'll make sure we get it right out to you. So I enjoyed being here, and I appreciate you having us on your show. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Take care. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Altmate magazines on social media or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net.